Wonderful. If you don't know me, my name is Morgan. I'm a part of the church here. Um, I've got the privilege of being able to bring the word this morning, and uh, it is always a privilege to be able to speak the word of God. But before we begin, I'm going to pray, because praying is good and we need God. Amen. Father God, we just want to lift you this time this morning. Lord, as we open your word, God, as we look into scripture, Father, I pray that you would speak, that God, that my words would pale into the distance, Lord God, as, as you speak to your people, Father. God, we know that your word is powerful and effective. It will not return into your void. And so, God, we pray that we will grab a hold of it today and we will pull it into our lives and run with it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, just before I do start into the word, I want to honor these two, uh, Sam and Abby, because, uh, yeah, come on, let's show them how much we love them. These guys are amazing. I was here on Friday. We were security. You can tell by my huge physique. Um, and uh, it was a great night. It was, it was epic. It was so cool. And you guys just, man, the way that you lead the youth is just awesome. Like, really, like, we so appreciate what you do, eh? It's so cool. Do you guys appreciate what they do? It's pretty cool, eh? It is amazing. And, and I do want to encourage you as well. Like, the Bible is constantly full of, of young people stepping up for God and then God landing on them and doing miraculous things. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were like teenagers. Mary was a teenager. David was a teenager when he defeated Goliath. So let's not think you've got to wait till you get older. God's like, I want to move now. And the young people, so we, we so appreciate you guys. Eh? It's awesome what you're doing. Awesome what you're doing. All right. Well, to begin with this morning, I want to tell you guys that I think this is an awesome church. I look forward to church each Sunday morning. I love coming here. I love being a part of it. I'm grateful to be a part of C3 City Church. I'm grateful that we've got amazing senior pastors, Ellen and Eleanor. Uh, I'm grateful for the staff and the teams that make this building come alive every week. You guys are amazing. We are blessed with skilled and spirit-led worship teams. Aren't they awesome? We have amazing gifted communicators from within the house and who come in each week. We are blessed by the word. There are generous and humble volunteers who give of their time to make sure that this is a welcome and, and inviting, a welcoming and inviting place to be. Courses, Bible studies, community meals, multiple venue hires happen here every week. This is an amazing house. We run and host multiple events in this place every year that not only bless our city, but bless our nation. We support through finances, prayer, and sending people mission work in our nation and across the world, which is so cool. We do so much good. Pat yourself on the back. Doing some amazing stuff. But I'm, I'm really so grateful to be a part of this house. Are you pleased to be a part of this house? It's a good place, eh? It's not perfect, because you're here. <laughs> but it's an amazing place. We are perfect in our imperfection, if that makes sense. But there is something that we always need more of. Something we always need to work at. Something that God values above everything we do. And that thing is love. Loving God and loving others. Today we are beginning a series called Loving God and Love People. I see a few people have already taken that literally. Well done, guys. I'm getting engaged and getting married. That's fantastic. You've taken it. To, it's going to be hard to beat that, to be honest. But that is so cool to see. But loving God and loving others. And so I'm privileged with being able to start this series with us. Some of you may be sitting there thinking this morning, oh, what's love got to do with it? What's love but a second-hand emotion? What's love got to do, got to do with it? 
Who needs a heart when a heart can be broken? Thank you, Tina Turner. You know, it was amazing. I was actually preparing this word, and that song came on the radio. And I was like, oh my God, he's speaking to me through Tina Turner. It's amazing. But really, seriously, we live in a world full of people looking for love in every possible place they can. Just turn on your TV and look at the programs that are being shown. People are desperately looking for love. Too often what seems to be love is actually a distorted, false image of what love truly is. And people get hurt and broken by this false image. As followers of Jesus Christ, you, you, and I are tasked with carrying and showing the love of God to this world. That's our most important role as Christians, loving God and loving people. And it starts with how we love God and how we love each other. So you might be thinking, well, okay, yeah, we know love is important, but it's actually a little bit more than just a good idea. I'm sure you've heard these verses before. Mark 12, 28 to 31 says, One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked them, Of all the commandments, which is the most important? Which is a great question. The most important one, Jesus answered, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. You don't really need to add anything to that. That's the two most important commandments. Jesus made it very clear that this is the most important thing we're here to do. It's to love God and to love people. The Holy Spirit spoke through John in the book of Revelation. Revelation 2, verse 2 to 5. He was talking to the church in Ephesus. It says in verse 2, I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not. You have found them false. You have persevered and have endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary, yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. Consider how far you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. That gets me, that makes, that challenges me. I don't know about you, but that challenges me. Because here's a church that's doing so much good. But this Holy Spirit is saying, you do so much good. But this I have against you. Love. Love God Love people. Love is so important. So the answer to the question, what has love got to do with it? Love is everything to do with it. As followers of Jesus Christ, it is more important for us now, more than ever before in our Christian journey, to be carriers of love. It was awesome what you did in the past, but can I encourage you again to pick up that love and to carry it into your world? You see, we've got a great-looking church doing great things. But without love, it's just a nice vehicle parked up on display. Love is the fuel that makes the vehicle go. As great as it looks, we need love to keep going. What we're going to do this uh, morning is we're going to look at probably the most famous love chapter in the Bible, 1 Corinthians 13. It's not even a wedding. It's amazing. We're talking about 1 Corinthians 13. 
But we're going to start reading in chapter 12 because I kind of want to set the scene a little bit. Paul, he's the writer of Corinthians and he's writing to the Corinthian church. And he says in verse chapter 12 and verse 27, he says, Now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. And God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance and of different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles, do all have gifts of healing, do all speak in tongues, do all interpret. Now eagerly desire the greater gifts. I love that. There's this this drawing for that Paul is saying, these are important gifts and seek them out. Seek them out. But then he does this amazing thing. He says, these are so important. And then he shifts tack and he says, and yet I will show you the most excellent way. And he goes into... 1 Corinthians 13, and we're going to have a look at that this morning. Paul lists the spiritual gifts within the church. He encourages us to eagerly desire the greater gifts, but then he shifts and he draws our attention to love. 1 Corinthians 13 verse 1, it says, If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels but do not have love, I am a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. That's a complimentary word, isn't it? You see, Paul doesn't, he doesn't want to withhold the importance of this from us. He is straight up with what he's trying to, trying to get us to understand. Because anyone can make a noise. You can say whatever you want, whenever you want. Anyone can make noise, but as Christians, we are not expected to make noise. We're expected to communicate love. So as great as your noise is, if it hasn't got love, it's just noise. We need to be people that love is the source of our words. How challenging is that? When we speak, we should speak from a place of love, a love for God and a love for people. Notice how I said love for God and for people, because it's great that you love God, but he wants you to love people. And loving people, calls like they're mutually exclusive. You can't separate the two and be like, you know, I'm a Christian, but I only love God. God's like, well, you, you can't really be a follower of mine if you don't love people, because I went to the cross for that person. So they're connected, they're intimately connected. Luke 6 verse 45, Jesus says this, A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. So if you want love to overflow, then get love in. What's that saying? It says we need more of God. We need more of his presence. We need more of the love of God saturating our lives every single day. Because out of the overflow of what's in here is what's going to come out. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be making noise. I want my words to carry something. Is what you are saying motivated by love for God or for others? Are your words coming from a place of love? Verse 2, Paul goes on to say, If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. That one is crazy. Like, you can have faith to move a mountain, but if you don't have love, he's saying you are nothing. He really is not withholding his punches here, is he? He's really just shooting straight from the hip. Faith, knowledge, prophecy, and the ability to fathom all mysteries are all great things. I think we can all agree on that, can we? Yeah, those are fantastic things. They are not bad things. But Paul is saying they're not as important as love. 
So it's great that you seek those things, but remember, without love, they are empty. That if we don't have love attached to it, we're just full of a whole lot of good knowledge. And you've got to understand this, is that when you come before God in heaven, you're not actually going to impress him. Because he made the universe. And we still don't even know how big the universe is. And we still don't even understand how life happens. So your knowledge is great, but it's not as good as God's. So be, be encouraged to press into love. If love is not present within these things, they are just empty. Here's a question I want to put down here for some of us, some of us intellectuals here this morning. Is it more important for you to be right or for you to show God's love? It's challenging, isn't it? John 13, 35, Jesus said this, By this, everyone will know you are my disciples if you love one another. He didn't say if you can, if you can beat them in arguments. If you can prove them wrong, then they'll know, you know, <laughs> I'm a Christian. Yeah, <laughs> you're going to hell, you know. That's, that's not actually how it's going to work. But it's how we love one another that shows we're of God. Love must be the greater goal. It must be the greater goal. Again, please don't hear from this. Let's not learn anything, you know. <laughs> let's not prophesy or move in. Let's not have great faith. No, that is not, you're hearing the wrong thing. Let's seek those things, but make sure love is in them. Make sure they are covered in love. Verse 3, it says, If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Thanks, Paul. It's just straight up the guts. Even giving away all we have and sacrificing ourselves gains us nothing without love. How challenging is that? Because in my mind, I think giving to the poor and needy and, and sacrificing what I have for someone else is like amazing. It's a, a very noble thing. It's a wonderful thing. And it is a great thing. Don't let me discourage you if that is something that you are doing, but make sure love is in it. Without love, it says, Paul says, I gain nothing. How challenging is that? But God, I gave up everything for you. And God's like, yeah, but you didn't do it out of love. It's challenging. Is what I'm doing motivated by love for God and others? Our love for God and our love for others is our greatest expression to this world of who God is. That is how they will know. So what is love? Here we go. 1 Corinthians 13. We're going to go through a whole bunch of things. He, Paul's great because he actually breaks it down and describes love for us. So he doesn't want to make it, he doesn't want to just, us to just feel bad that we're not doing all these things. He actually says, this is what love is. Love can be described as a feeling, and rightly so. But this morning I want to focus more on love as a verb. It means it's an action word. It means it's something we do. It means something we choose to do, even if you don't feel like it. You know, like in your marriage? Let's be real. You're not always going to feel it, but that's when you put love into a verb, into an action word. We choose. It's a choice. So if you're waiting here for God to fill you with so much love to go and love somebody, you could be waiting a really long time. God's actually waiting for you to do something, to step out and do something. 1 Corinthians 13 from verse 4 to 7. Here we go. Number one, love is patient. Why is that one there? I mean, the other ones are great, but patience. Have you ever noticed how God's timeline for bringing things to pass is different to ours? Hmm. 
Why does God not do what we want when we want it? Why doesn't he make others do what we want when we want it? It's like he is God and we're not. Yeah. The greatest picture of patience is God to mankind. He patiently waits for us to learn from our mistakes. Anyone made the same mistake a few times? We serve a God. It says His mercies are new every morning. His grace is sufficient. And when we are weak, He is strong. How amazing He is. He, He waits patiently for us to trust Him. He patiently waits for us to believe that He has the best in store for each of us. And He calls us to do the same. He calls us to be a people who carry patience. It's hard. It's not easy. We can all acknowledge that. But love is patient. So love, we love by being patient. So that that family member that you might be frustrated with, love is patient. You're, You're showing your love by your patience. Love is kind. Now, I didn't actually write a hang of a lot to this because I think it's pretty pretty clear. Love is kind. Just be kind. Like, stop not being kind. Just stop saying those grumpy words. Just be kind. Like, some of us, you actually need to write on your mirror, be kind today. You know? Okay. We love by being kind. So love, Paul goes on to say, it does not envy I wrote down here, stop looking at what you don't have. There will always be someone with something you don't have. There will always be someone with a flasher car, a bigger house, more money, whatever. Pick a reason. There's always somebody else. But as Christian believers, our goal is not to be better than everybody else. It says here, we are, actually, it's, it, God takes it a step further and he says, actually, you, you, you need to be completely different to what this world is. You do not envy because that's not love. Love does not envy. We love by not envying others or what they have. Love does not boast. It is not proud. Love will not take someone else's honor. It will not rob them of their honor. We will not pull people down. It will not push someone down to make them feel or think they are less. Love doesn't do that. So we shouldn't do it. We love by not boasting or being proud. It does not dishonor others. Love will not take... Oh, sorry, did I just say that? Yeah, I'm sorry, I'm doubling up on my notes here. Love does not, take, does not dishonor others. It will, I'm just sorry, I've completely missed my notes out here. <laughs> Let me backtrack. Love does not boast or is not proud. You are not as good as you may think you are. No one is. Love will not promote itself above others. Sorry, I got those mixed up a bit there. I got my notes mixed up. Now we move to love does not dishonor others. Love will not take someone else's honor. It will not push someone down to make them feel or think they are less. We love by not dishonoring others, by not joining in dishonoring others. It is not self-seeking. Love is selfless. Love seeks the best for others. Think of a best friend or a child or a loved one. Love wants the best for them. Even more than this, great love is willing to die in the place of others. Jesus even said, greater love has no man than this, that he would lay down his life for a friend. The key thing there is love. 
Love is the motivation. Love is the, the thing that draws us into that. We love by not being self-seeking. It is not easily angered. Love may not be easily angered, but I certainly can be. Love for God and others reminds me that my anger does not bring about God's righteousness in my life. It does not communicate the love of God that is in me because my God isn't like that. How many are grateful that God isn't like that? We love by the way we are slow to anger. It keeps no record of wrongs. That's a good one. So it's time to throw out your score sheet. It does not matter who is winning on your score sheet of things of wrong things done to you. Ultimately, the only one hurt by holding on to the wrongs of others is you. The only score sheet that matters is the one in heaven. The one in heaven where, where Jesus writes about our lives. We must intentionally move on and not dwell in the hurts and the wrongs of yesterday. I know I'm moving through these things quite quickly, and that might actually, some of these might actually be striking a chord with you. And I want to encourage you to actually take that and to pray into that and to think on that, because maybe, maybe you need to do something. You need to talk to somebody, seek some help, seek a, a brother or sister in Christ, or talk to somebody to help you through this. Because if you can see that there's this blockage in your loving people, then it's, we should deal with it, eh? We love by the way we keep no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. I found this, I stole this off gotquestions.org. It's, I thought this was a really cool uh, little explanation. True love rejoices in what is right and good. Anything that covers up sin or seeks to justify wrongdoing is the polar opposite of godly love. Love does not sweep sin under the rug. Love does not try to find ways to get away with bad behavior. And it does not put up with injustice. Instead, it treasures truth celebrates good behavior, and promotes virtue. True love is nothing to hide. That's cool, eh? We love by the way we do not delight in evil, but we rejoice in the truth. Love always protects. We need to protect those we love. We know that. Your family, your children, we need to protect those we love. But you know, we also need to protect those that we don't even know. Because love protects. And Jesus says to love your neighbor. We also need to protect others we may not know. Love says, even though I don't know you, I will protect you. I will not allow others to harm you. I will actively protect you through whatever means I am able to, through prayer, providing for needs, being there to listen and to support. Those are all ways that we can help protect. We love by the way we always protect. Love always trusts. This is not always easy, especially if someone has hurt you or let you down or someone close to you has betrayed your trust. But love chooses to trust again, and we need to choose to trust again. We must believe that as we trust God and others, the right path will become clear. We love by the way we always trust. Always hopes. There is always hope with our God. The impossible is his possible. There is always hope. Never underestimate hope. Hope is a powerful, powerful thing. Hope is something we all need. We need to grab a hold of it and not let it go. And that that difficult, despairing moment or trial that you're going through, hope, grab a hold of it. 
hope that God has a way through. We love by the way we always hope. It always perseveres. Love does not give up. Jesus does not give up on us. He does not run out of perseverance in his victory over death and sin. So keep persevering in love. Keep persevering. We love by the way we persevere in love. So this morning is kind of gone through this list. I don't know about you, but when I go through 1 Corinthians 13, what stands out to me are the things that I'm not quite hitting the mark in. And you might feel that same way this morning and be like, actually, you know, there's a couple of things I could do better at. And that's good. That's a good thing. That's a positive. That's actually my hope this morning is that we would go away from this morning and actually take that thing and bring it into our prayer time. Maybe you need to talk to somebody about it, but actually we would do something about it. Because it's too easy to say, oh, now nah, I'll do it later on. But that's, the problem with that thinking is you're basically saying, oh, God, I'll get around to loving God and loving people. But he's like, hey, we, we need to start today. We need to grab a hold of love today. We need to do everything we can to make sure the love of God is flowing in us and flowing through us. We need to be the ones to our world to show that, hey, there is a better way. Amen? Amen? So I want to encourage you to write something down. I want to encourage you to think about what that thing is. I want to encourage you to go home and actually take some time out to actually pray into that. Because church, if we're going to become the bride that Jesus Christ calls us and longs for us to be, then we've got to get this stuff right. We've got to get this stuff right. Amen? That's me done. I'm going to pray, and we're going to hand back to Pastor Ellen, who's going to take it from there. So let's close our eyes together. Father God, we want to thank you, God, that you're a God of love, that you don't ask us to do something you're not willing to do yourself, that in fact you've gone so far above, God, what we could ever show. Lord, you sent your son to die on a cross. Father God, for the sins of mankind, Lord God, how could we ever match up to that love, Lord God? But God, you don't just call us to be a people that receive love. You call us to be a people who carry love into our world into our workplaces, into our high schools, into our families, into those disagreements, into those challenges we're facing. Father God, I pray that we would be a people that carry love. Father God, we ask for your help. We ask for you, Holy Spirit, to come so that we would be the people that you've called us to be. God, we thank you for this church for all that it is. But God, my prayer is that we would become an even greater church of love to our community, to the city, and to Lord, everything that we do as a group of believers. Father God, we acknowledge you this morning. And God, I just even just now, I just want to pray, Holy Spirit, for those ones here today who've actually, who are feeling quite challenged by this message reflecting on themselves and seeing maybe areas that they're not quite so impressed with about themselves. God, you're a God of grace. You're a God of mercy. You're a God of love. And that even though we might fail in our love, you don't. So I pray for those ones here today, Lord God, wherever they are, whatever they're facing, that Holy Spirit, you come right into that situation. You come right into that circumstance, whatever it is. Holy Spirit, we ask you to come in. Why don't you just take a moment now and just ask the Holy Spirit 
the love of God to come into these moments, into those areas, into those things. You know what they are. They're popping into your mind right now. Let's just take a moment right now just to welcome the Holy Spirit into it. Holy Spirit, come. Come, Lord Jesus. Father God, we're not always strong enough to do it ourselves. We need you, Lord. God, we don't always know the best way to move forward, but you do, Lord. God, we just, we, at times we don't know how to change. But Lord, your word says if we will trust in you, you will make the path straight. You will show us the way. And so Jesus, I pray for your church this morning. God, that we would become an even greater reflection of your love to this world, to our community in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord.